Um, but yeah, again, we're really thankful for y'all being here. It's very sweet to have to see all of you, and I really appreciate the support. And um, welcome to Exile. In the southern edge of the Stellwagen Bank is a mysterious swath of ocean called the Yankee Square. Unlike its sister, the Bermuda Triangle, who snatches people into her oblivion, the Yankee Square only takes those already lost. Within it lay an archipelago of islands who are host to all the exiled and forgotten people of what we now call New England. There are the isles for the many native tribes, there's the Salem Witch Isle, but I'm here to tell you the stories of my people, the lower middle class freaks of exile. Where do the craftspeople go after we've shifted to only purchasing factory-produced plastic furniture, jewelry, clothes, etc., made overseas by unpaid Chinese children? Where do the artists go when all the filthy tenement buildings get renovated and are advertised as industrial chic? And where do the common freaks go, the people who add, quote, kala to their towns, when even a basement apartment with no windows is snatched away from weirdos who could live there and made into a South Beach decorated Airbnb? They go to exile, my dears. I am Saltine, internationally renowned art historian, anti-philanthropist, and biotechnician. And I am the radio scientist who figured out how to connect this little island's toaster oven radio to the mainland. I'm the messenger of the land. And here is the latest report from Exile, number nine, Overboard. In the sun, fine. In the cloud, cold. Real cold. And who are we kidding about the sun she hides from us now? To test us or to rest us? Should we fight this last bit of oceanic gray and thrust ourselves out into the world? Or should we stay in that little bit longer? Breathe through that last gray blanket of cloud. Does it have to suffocate? Is it meant to? Or is it meant to comfort us? Who knows? And does it matter if we knows? Who knows? A nose was found on the beach earlier. Whose nose? If you knows, come let me knows. New day, last day of February. At the end of February, the islanders hold their annual great boat race out on the harbor. Why February? What else is there to do in February on an island where there's no television, movies, or phone to stare at? The only entertainment are the weekly plays written by the Gay Actors Guild. Gag. <laughs> Their production of The Devil Wears Nada was truly an emotional challenge for me. I tried to call the head of the American Nudist Guild, but they said he couldn't have time to meet today. I'm so sorry, Miranda. Tales of your incompetence do not amuse me. Turn the heat up in here. My nipples should never be this hard until 2 p.m. This race stems out of boredom. 
The first race was born out of a place of desperation. They needed something dangerous to bring excitement to the bone-chilled end of winter. I mean, when I'm at that point of cabin fever, winter insanity, I usually tie a bell to my guinea pig, put her on a remote-controlled car, give the controller to a five-year-old, give him a 10-minute head start, and then go hunting. Whee! We all know it's time for the race when Carlisle Kidney starts to talk about doing a detox. Yeah, I think I'll hide in that cave over by the prostate trickle stream with some kombucha. And then right before I lock myself in the cave for a couple weeks, I'll make out with Tony, who cannot seem to get rid of his norovirus. We all know it's race season when Bolive Oil starts to think it's a great idea to shave his whole body with a dry razor. Oh, no. And we really know it's time for the race when Lamont thinks it's a good idea to experiment planting some tulip bulbs in his backyard, if you know what I mean. The boat race is an exciting day for the residents at the Exile Rooming House, the big community home on the bluff east of the harbor. The air of friendly, not friendly at all, but classically Irish-American, violently serious about unimportant sporting event competition, was wafting through the restaurant between the various tenants. Minky, these lackeys are fab. Resident herbalist Timo said, Resident herbalist? Now how fancy and first world does that sound? First world. Can I use that joke? Do we still rank worlds? They still do on Eurovision. Oh my god, I can't wait till the next one. Now, don't eat too much, Timo. You don't want to be weighed down while Grandma's out there gliding over the water. Don said, his handsome, mature face laughing, watching Grandma turn and glare at him. Oh, he can be as light as he likes. He's still going to surrender to my powers and maybe the weight of the ocean itself. Jesus, Grandma, I was just joking. I wasn't. (laughs) The house was divided up. On Timo's team were his best friends, Doc, the carpenter slash trail maintainer, and Thighs, the chicken farmer. Grandma and little 12-year-old Butch Orange were a team. Grandma, should I wear a pad or a tampon for the race? (laughs) Tampon, better weapon for our enemies. (laughs) And the 16-year-old triplets were a team, though they were not born with a competitive gene in their bodies. Although if given washed up nerds rope, they had the strength of adult gaze on coke at a rave. They didn't have much interest in accessing that energy. They were just doing it for the fun and not to miss out. Yeah, we're gonna win too. Yeah, I think we're all gonna win. Yeah, I think every single person's gonna win. Yeah, I don't think there's gonna be one loser at all. Maybe we could walk there together. Maybe we could hold hands as we're doing the race. Maybe we could. <laughs> the only member of the rooming house not competing was BK. My ankles cannot handle the strain, not after my decade stint as a member of the volunteer firefighters slash ballerinas. BK, you row with your arms, not your legs. I know I am talking about my arm ankles. Who was going to win? You might think Doc gave his team the advantage, what with his carpentry carpentry skills and having been lovers with a man of... I forgot to write a note. I have a note for myself that says, what New England tribe did birch canoe boats around here? And I forgot to write it in. Screwing me over. (laughs) 
who had helped him out near the end of the relationship when he was trying to make it work. It just didn't. God, why not? Their team was undeniably stacked. Timo had the power of an old-fashioned coal engine, and thighs' thighs weren't the only heft of... Muscle. ...that he wielded. But Grandma would give them a run for their money. She had her own powers and strengths, including eluding hospitalization for her rampant olfactory staph infection. And Orange had enough rage and power that, if on the mainland, would have easily qualified her for the MMA youth program. Heads up! Goat coming through! (laughs) But before you go thinking our friends at the rooming house had it in the bag, don't go forgetting the other team of hunks on the aisle. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Tile, the florist, and his team were virile and virtually veritable man-meat masterpieces. Say that ten times fast. Only if I can keep them. Mm, Amen to that, sister. (laughs) Good one, narrator two. Thanks, narrator one. Virtually veritable man meat masterpieces. Virtually man, man, man virtually veritable man meat masterpieces. Virtually man meat virtually veritable man meat masterpieces. Virtually man masterpieces. Virtually veritable man meat 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 masterpieces. So where are they? How will they be shipped to me? Huh? Where are they? Where are they? Tile's team was ripped, swollen studs. Ripped was from the northern reaches of Mongolia, and his shoulders required their own passport upon entering the United States when he first moved here. He was a seamstress who specialized in... Delicates. (laughs) Swole was from Western Mass originally. He was born in the Connecticut River. Some say his biceps are from his family's Viking heritage, but others posit that it's from the nuclear waste he was first swaddled in. But the deadliest weapon of all on their team was studs. Oh, yeah. Studs was a member of the Hell's Angles, a radical anarchistic geometry club. (laughs) Make a rhombus round the police. Rhombus! Rhombus! (laughs) Look at her. Timo called out from the kitchen window. Studs is putting her pet baby squirrel that she rescued from under that washed-up Subaru back under the washed-up Subaru and then deadlifting it. Wow. Doc said, loquacious as always. That's insane. Her traps look like rattlesnakes defecating. Just then, the door creaked open. Creak. And Tile, BK's newish lover, walked in. Taking a huge defecation, I'd say. (laughs) BK got up from her seat and moved to him like a magnet. Though they could all feel the guilt, the betrayal that she was openly loving their rival at the moment. Couldn't she have waited a day? No, I couldn't resist either. I mean, look at those thumb muscles. Imagine the clay pots he could pinch. Ooh! You know, yeah. It might be insane what she's doing, Tile said, turning to BK and giving her a long butterfly kiss. But it's her saying. Oh, God. 
Timo said as Doc tried to hold in a laugh. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Grandma said. Can someone get me the leaf blower? I got some puke. I gotta sweep up. But unaffected by the cheese, BK almost cheesed. Oh, wow. BK, I am right there with you. He is mine. Okay, thank God for the concrete reality of time and space. Aside from hearing your poetry slash philosophy slash business model tile, what can we do for you? Oh, nothing. I just finished a few last-minute birthday arrangements at the florist. Hardwood, mahogany stained. In a bit, my team and I are going to get ready for an all-day workout, and I wanted to see my love before we muscles dominated the rest of the day. Because above all other muscles, my most important, don't say it, Timo said, but say it, is my heart. I might be sick. Oh, tile. See you tonight, baby. Well, um, I'll just be on my way. BK said, reaching for the plate of red, red bacon on the counter. But at the last second, it was taken away. I think you've had enough of this here fox bacon. What? You heard me, girl. Oh, come on, Grandma. Don said, laughing. Grandma, you're treating me like the enemy. And you left your phone on, Grandma. Well, we are trying to have this conversation. I always leave my phone on when there's fools around. Who knows when I'll have to call the police on an ignoramus. If I was treating you like the enemy, BK, you wouldn't have any fingernails left or lower back hair. Grandma, tomorrow's a big race. And since that noise is still coming from your phone, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, somebody there. Tomorrow's a big race, and I will turn off my phone for the race. But since you are sexually empowering the enemy, strengthening him emotionally by giving him someone to impress, I will take from you emotionally and baconly. <gasps> BK grabbed her notebook and ran from the room, dramatically swaying her arms. Swish, 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 swish. And take your bacon farts with you. Oh yeah, I've been smelling them. Now, Grandma, was that necessary? No, but it sure was fun. Minky, help me here with Grandma. No, darling, thank you. I'm going to stay out of this, as I completely can. I have no time for all this made-up drama. You can fight amongst yourselves all you want. That's not my bag. I think this race is stupid. You're all just bored and making a reason for drama. Me? I'd rather let the boredom wash over me, like a bath of crusty scabs Epsom salts. Enjoy your foolishness, you senators. Wait, who's gonna make lunch? Woo! Yeah! Woo! Ah, 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 I'm so excited for race day. Race day! Race day! Race starts at the eastern end of the harbor! Thin clouds streaking past us, barely noticeable if you squint. 
thin clouds a scrim, the theater of life, the illusions we tell ourselves. Should you try and notice? Should we try and see far off? Any need for the vigilance? Any need to keep squinting? Any need for that wrinkle in your brow? Who knows? Whose nose was on the beach? <laughs> Race day starts at the eastern edge of the harbor. The town scryer shouted out, electrifying the early morning air. Race day! Yeah, let's go! The tension had been building for weeks leading up to the actual day. As part of the race, each team must make their own boat. They have spent the last many months making their boats all to different effect. Doc Timo in thighs made a sleek nod to a kayak using driftwood and some washed up wax. Anyone need more whale fat? Thighs asked as he lathered his namesake up. Mm-mm-mm. A little, I forgot my face. Here you go, Timo. Thighs said, handing him a wad of fat using the hand he massaged himself with. Oh yeah, I'd like to touch that hand or have it touch me. I forgot, I need whale fat too. It can get cold, I can get frostbite while I'm narrating. Oh, it's so cold in here. Good men. Though it's sunny, it could turn at any moment, and I don't want any of us getting too wet or cold. Doc said their authority on wilderness survival. Well, you've already failed, boys. Your pants are wet and your crotches are cold. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Grandma and Orange were carrying their boat down to the water's edge. They had made a motorboat out of a washed-up plastic children's car bed. Orange wired the motor together from a KitchenAid and a beard trimmer. The car itself was red, just like I had when I was a kid, back when I was innocent. Oh, God! Get it together. Okay. Orange, you're letting the side slip. Nuh-uh. Yes, you are. Nuh-uh. No, look. Nuh-uh is the referee. And sure enough, it was Nuh-uh standing on the platform. Get your boats in the water, we're starting soon. Nuh-uh said. Doc smiled as he watched the islanders bring their boats to the water. It was a sight to see, all those handmade boats by all his neighbors, smiling nervously up into the shockingly bright February air. He saw Tile's team sliding their hardwood, hardwood deck boat into the water. And then he looked over and saw the triplets struggling with their, and I use this word loosely, boat coming down the path. Yeah, you got it, Ronnie. Yeah, you got it, Sonny. Yeah, you got it too, Tommy. Yeah, you got it. Watch out for the roots, Ronnie. Yeah, Sonny, watch out. Those oak trees are crazy roots. Yeah, Ronnie, you be careful over there on those little rows of regosas. They can sneak up behind you. Yeah, Tommy, you too. Be careful. Those are some pedaling steps going there. Yeah, Sonny, you too. Just be really careful because the air is a little loose there, Sonny. Yeah, Ronnie, just be super careful over there. You don't want to fall, Ronnie. Yeah, Tommy, yeah, Sonny, yeah, Ronnie. Boys, let me help you. Doc said, running over to them. God, he's my hero. Oh, thanks, Doc. Yeah, Doc, hell yeah, Doc. We really, yeah, Doc, we super appreciate it. Doc, thanks so much. We really appreciate it. The triplets were using a taxidermied swan door, a cross between a swan and a condor, a species specific to exile, as their boat. 
It was a beautiful specimen with the black wingspan of a condor and the long neck and funny beak of the swan. The triplets put several inner tubes around it as seats. Boys, where'd you find this? I've never seen a swan door dead before. It was for sale outside the commodities market. Yeah, the second hand shop. You know the shop that doesn't sell new things? Yeah, Grendel said it was taxidermy by a specialist who died it for years ago. Yeah, a few years ago, Doc. Don't you remember? Yeah, Grendel said so it's got to be true. I never knew or heard of any taxidermied specialist on exile. Doc said concerned. Yeah, actually super concerned. What's going on? All right, stand by your boats. All right, boys, here you go. Good luck, and try as best you can not to fall into the water. It's freezing. You can get sick very quickly. Yeah, we'll try. Yeah, we'll really try. Yeah, we're going to really try not to fall. All right, prepare yourselves. The course. Nuh-uh, shouted. Out into the harbor from the east end to the foghorn. One team member must jump out and ring the foghorn and return back towards the west end where to finish you must throw an egg that you have been carrying safely since the beginning of the race onto the big target which just happens to be a photograph of Shrine Shurfi. And then your team must carry your boat up and put it onto the dock. Oh. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot, Ronnie. Yes, Sonny, that's more than I thought it was gonna be. Yeah, Tony, that's a little more than I thought it was gonna be. Yeah, Sonny, did we not listen when they said this at the beginning? I don't remember them saying anything like that. Well, I guess we're already here, so we're doing it. Ready, on your marks. Get set. <laughs> And they were off in a flurry, and all the commotion of 20 or so boats jutting into the water. It was hard to see who was ahead. No, I don't need glasses. No, these glasses, these are just for show. These are fashion glasses, okay? You think there's a lens in there? There's not. That's an optical illusion, okay? No, I don't have eye insurance. Gross. Yeah, so it's, it's just really not an option. But soon it was clear that it was Grandma, Doc, and Tile's teams that were leading. Out they plunged towards the foghorn or the police sirens, <laughs> the cold seawater whipping them. Uh, I need to pee. Hold on. Sports announcer, can you take over for a second? And, of course, and off they go. Grandma and Orange are on the upper fifth, and there she goes. Little 12-year-old Orange jumps on both of the foghorn, and she makes it. You hear that, folks? The first one to ring the bell, and Tile's right behind, and you'll be the first one to try. Yep, he did it second to ring, and here comes Doc, and we all know he would do it. He hopped out like a gazelle, and we all got three teams flying forward, and the narrator is back from the pee break. That was super quick. Uh, no, keep going. It's fun. I feel like I'm back in the burbs playing outside while my dad worked in the shed listening to the game. Oh, God. I miss my family. <laughs> so moving on from that touching emotional moment, we are back in the game here, and the three leads have made progress, heading towards the egg-throwing point, and our egg bearers, Grandma with it in her mouth, Timma within the top of his hat, which he never takes off, and Studs with it in her nostril. Yes, folks at home, her nostril is that big. And here they go. Will they make it? And of course, Grandma did! Square and shrine Furphy's little conqueror face. Her arms might be frail with osteoporosis, folks, but she's a clean shot. And let's see, didn't even have to question it, Timma got shine in the Nuts! Nuts for sale! Brazil! Brazil nuts! And let's see, let's all watch the master at work here. Yes! Studs threw the egg with so much force that it boiled in midair. You heard me, folks. The egg actually boiled in midair and burst through the photograph. That's got to win them extra points. We'll check back with the ref later on that. And anyone's game, it is anyone's game. They are neck and neck, but... Oh, wait, what? what is that over there? 
One by one by one, all three leads skidded over the barely covered truck that had washed ashore earlier that day. Their boats were ridden aground. Oh, God, it looks bad for all three up front. Let's see who is coming up behind them. Might be able to take the lead. And as sports announcer looked for the next boat coming up, I noticed the triplets were basically right where they started. Oh, God, we're losing pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, we're losing pretty bad, Sonny. Yeah, Tony, we're not going that far. Yeah, Sonny, I think we went a foot and a half a little bit ago. Yeah, Marami, we floated back two feet more onto the sand just now. Oh, Sonny, it's okay if we lose, right? Should we stop? I don't think so. Boys, why don't you stop? Because we have to finish, Minky. We have to finish the race, Minky, don't you know? No, you don't. Really? But we're stuck. No, darlings, just wake up that swan door you're on. Wake it up, Minky. Wake up the swan door. Minky, wake up the swan door. It's not alive. It's taxidermy. Minky, don't you know what taxidermy means? Come on, Minky, don't you know? Oh, you silly boys, Minky said, laughing, clearing his throat. (laughs) And as if woken from a spell, the swan door blinked. Its eyes opened, looked at the boys, and smiled, and began to beat its wings. It's not looking good for anyone really up front. Oh, wait, what is that? What is that noise? Sounds like a helicopter mixed with an emphysema sufferer (laughs) taking the stairs. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Look at that swan door fly. (laughs) It was majestic and just plain huge. Huge! Look at it go. Oh, and look, one of the triplets fell out and hit his head on the foghorn. Dong. Luckily, he had that inner tube on. And oh, look, another one of them fell off. I think that's Blonnie. And he hit the photo of Cheyenne Schmurfy with the egg. He cracked it right on his little conquistador smirk. And the other one is flying with the swan door onto the dock. Is it going to happen? Is it, folks? Are they going to make it? It is. The swan door landed and the triplets have won the boat race. Woo! Congrats, boys. Yeah, amazing job. Boys, you did good. I wanted to do it for my pride, but I don't need to beat children in a race to know I'm better than they are. I wanted to do it for my squirrel, but I don't need to win a race for him to know I'm a champion. I also wanted to do it for my child. This is for my baby. And they all turned, confused, and they noticed BK has a bump. Gasp! The town celebrated the boys and BK at the rooming house for a fabulous dinner that night. Minky cooked, too excited about BK to care about his protest over the race. And as the boys lay asleep in their long bed, sweet smiles of surprise victory on their cheeks, the swan door flew out by the window with its gentle, sweet call. Swan, I hope you have a nice 
Narrator one, do you really think the listeners will believe that a swan and a condor bred had a swan door baby, that it was in a magic hibernation until Minky yodeled it awake, and it carried three teenage boys who fell into freezing cold water without much description of the saving them from very possible hypothermia, to victory in a crazy boat race in winter? <laughs> Ah, narrator too, my pragmatist. I'm sure that everyone listening in understands by now that you can never go overboard in exile. And that was another report from Exile. You have been listening to WOMR 92.1 FM Provincetown and WFMR 91.3 FM Orleans. Streaming worldwide at WOMR.org slash listen. We stream live on WMR, WOMR every other Thursday. And you can find more episodes online at onexile.com. Thank you. Have a great night.